Hi, you're currently tuning to 101.9 High FM. My name is Liron Mazor, and today I've got a very, very special guest with me. Today I've got one of my best speakers in the world, a Rabbi El uh, Grod, which comes all the way from Israel. This is Rabbi Arush's sp- uh, spiritual manager of Rabbi Arush's Kehillah. Um, I've been to Oman and I've connected very closely with Rabbi Arush and a lot of his teachings. And uh, why I love him so much is because it's like listening to a poet. He's one of the most eloquent speakers I've, uh, I've ever listened to. Not only is he eloquent, but I also love the way that he brings different aspects and different facets of the Torah and gives a beautiful introduction to whatever topic he's discussing. He's exceptionally well-learned, and I could listen to him for hours. I'm very grateful to have him as my guest. Rabbi Algrad, welcome onto the show. Thank you for joining us. Livon, thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here, and I must say that your compliments are over-exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely not, and the viewers, the listeners will be able to pick that up themselves. Today we're going to talk about uh, faith and Parnassah, and I think that for all of us, that's something that is very, very challenging because at the best of times, we're both all trying to work out how do you make more money? And I, and I think especially in finding in today's economy, a lot of people are thinking that. For me, when I, I try and understand what it looks uh, when it comes to money, I try and understand that it's made up from different aspects, a, pra- a practical aspect. What is the practical actions a person must take? The um, mind aspects, how do you get your mind right to understand how to create wealth? And then the most important is how do you make sure Hashem's part of the picture? And you probably should be starting off with Hashem because without that, we don't really have uh, much direction of knowing where we're going to go. So stay tuned. Coming up, we're going to be discussing faith and Parnassah, how to be happy with your lot. Can one really and truly be happy with what they've got? And probably those are the really the most important secrets when it comes to creating wealth. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Hi, you're currently tuned into 101.9 High FM. My name is Liron Mazor and I've got Rabbi Algrod with me in the studio. He's the spiritual manager of the Rav Arish Kehillah, my best speaker in the world. And uh, I'm going to hand it straight over to him. Our topic today, faith and Parnassah, and also how to be happy with your lot. Rabbi, where do we start? Uh, thank you, Ravon, and uh, welcome to all of the listeners. I'm happy to be here. First of all, we need to know that the biggest test of Imuna, the biggest test of faith is Parnassah, because you either have bread to put on the table or you don't. And when it comes to Parnassah, you can't really fool anyone. You believe, you don't believe, you need to supply for your family. But before we start, I'd like to give a bit of an introduction because many people do have the mistake of thinking that Parnassah, that supplying and providing for their family is dependent on them. And as we're going to see, it's a bit different than what people tend to think. I'm going to start with a simple thing that most people know. All of us, when we daven every single day Shmonesre, the bracha that we make for Panosa is Barech Aleinu. We're asking Hashem to bestow upon us a good year, a year with a lot of abundance. And if we'll notice, we never once use the word Panosa in davening. All we use is the word bracha. Why don't we use the word Panosa? Why not? Great question. We know that in reality, before Adam Arishon, before Adam sinned, he should have had Panossa freely. The Gomorrah says that if Adam would have had the merit, and if the snake and the serpent wouldn't have sinned, the serpent would have become Adam's slave, and he would have provided everything for him without Adam even having to do anything. And therefore, Adam, unfortunately, we know that he sinned. He was cursed. You shall have to work very hard in order to provide for your family. We've been cursed with the curse of Panossa. So we're asking Hashem, give us a bracha, a blessing, that we're not going to have to work so hard. 
Okay, great. What does a person do when the income doesn't meet the expenses? How, how do you try and marry, marry the two? I think that's the question that each and every one of us has got to handle with income versus expensive and versus expenses. And the honest truth is today we're getting into one of the biggest epidemic plagues that this world and this era has, and it's called debt. People today do not live according to their income. Their expenses always overpass their income, and that's why they go into debt. And the funniest thing is the people who do that, you're not going to see people who are necessarily poor, people who are not managing to provide for themselves. It could be people who have a good job, a good income, clever, intelligent people, and their expenses are bigger than what they managed to bring in. And the question is, how do we cope with that? I suppose my question is, well, how do I bring Hashem into that? Like you're saying to me, I need to have him or not. Do I then turn around and say, okay, well, Hashem wants me to live in a smaller apartment or a smaller home. How do I tie Hashem into it? And, and also, I suppose it's a bit of a difficult pill to swallow because a person might say, well, what, does Hashem not like me? Why doesn't he want me to have such a beautiful home? First of all, we need to ask ourselves a question. Is Panasa really dependent on what we do? If we look at all the sources that we have, I'm going to give one source. Maybe, in the, maybe, may, maybe as we go on, we'll give us another source. The Gemara in Tractate Moed Katan on the 20th page says that there are three things that are not dependent on your merits, not dependent on what you do. It depends on mazel, on luck. One of them is bane, sons. The other one is chaye, longevity. And the third one is mezone, panosa. In other words, there are certain things which are not dependent on what you do. All of us know gifted, talented, clever people, people who we all thought would be so successful, and they're not. And on the other hand, you can turn around and look at people who you just cannot believe how are they so rich and successful. I mean, when you knew them, their capabilities were near to none. So we can see that making a good panasa, being rich, having a good income has got nothing really to do with the efforts and your skills. So the question is, what is the secret? Okay, great. Well, what is the secret? Because I'm sitting here thinking, is it my mazal and how do I change my mazal? Or what is the secret? How do, is it that I have to be happy with my lot? Is it that I maybe need to do more mitzvot? I'd love to know the secret. I'd like to give a story that we can understand, something from the Tanakh, something from the Bible. We know that in the book of Yonah, in the book of Jonah, when Yonah Hanovi goes onto the boat and the whole storm starts, and they don't know what to do. The, it says there that the sailors turned to your Nahanavi and they said to him, Tell me, what is your work? What do you work as? What does your Nah answer them? I'm a Hebrew man and I fear the God of the heaven. What has that got to do with the question they asked him? They asked him, what do you do? It's like us meeting together and me saying, tell me, what do you work as? And you're going to say, I am a Jew and I'm a God-fearing person. That's got nothing to do with the question. And the interpreters say that is exactly the answer. That is the answer for what do you work as? What do I work as? The first and utmost thing is I am a God-fearing person. I'm trying to do what God wants for me. And what does Hashem want for me? Hashem wants for me to be a good man. Hashem wants for me to provide for my family. But earning a panosa has got nothing to do with what I do. It's got to do with what I believe in. And if I believe that it all comes from Him, He's going to set it right. And the question is, how? Great. That's a great question. You're currently tuning to 101.9 High FM. My name is Liron Mazor. I'm currently speaking with Rabbi Elgrod. 
Rabbi Elgrad is a spiritual manager of the Rav Arish Kehila. He's got many other great positions. I actually don't have the time to go through them. But uh, as I said in the introduction of the show, he's one of my favorite speakers. Today we're speaking about faith and parnasa. And the second part is also how to be happy with your lot. We're trying to get a better understanding from the Rav about what actions do we really need to take. I think that uh, the, the point that's really been interesting for me in this part of the discussion is understanding that our efforts really don't make a difference. I know in my personal life that sometimes uh, my personality is very driven and I can go out there and think, geez, I'll work another 10 hours a week or another 30 hours a week. And uh, sometimes it amounts to nothing. If anything, not even nothing, it actually sets me back a bit. And I'm thinking logically this doesn't make sense. So my, my real thought behind this is saying, well, we're starting to understand the fundamentals. Let's dig deeper into those fundamentals and try and get a, an understanding of the, what does it mean for a Jew in terms of creating Parnassah and being closer to Hashem. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. We're currently tuning to 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Liron Mazor. I'm speaking with Rabbi Elgrod. He's the spiritual manager of Rabbi Arush's Kihila. Today we're speaking about faith and Parnassah and also how to be happy with your lot. Rabbi, picking, off where we left, uh, picking up where we left off, can you maybe, let's try and make it a bit more practical. And I find that giving stories is sometimes the most exciting way to be able to do that. Have you got any stories to share with us that we can then bring these ideas and delve deeper into them? I actually do. I'd like to start with a wonderful story to show people how being rich and making a good panos has got nothing to do with their capabilities. In 1748, in a place called Malden, in Massachusetts, in America, a boy was born called Timothy Dexter. Uh, Timothy Dexter eventually moved to a place called Newburyport, and he married a very rich, uh, rich woman, managed to have a nice outcome. But what's funny is, everyone who described him said that Timothy Dexter was one of the most unintelligent people that they knew. He wrote a book when he was 50 years old, and the title of the book is something hilarious. It's called A Pickle for the Knowing Ones or Plain Truth in a Homespun Dress. The book has about 9,000 words. In the first edition, by the way, it was so successful, the book, it was printed in 18 editions. In the first edition, there was random capitalization. There were no commas, no dots. So in one of the editions, he added at the end page 13 lines of commas, dots, and of all other things, question marks. And he wrote, add pepper and salt according to your liking. And he sold eight editions. The people at Newburyport, who were ra- rather rich and wealthy, couldn't stand Timothy Dexter. So what they decided to do, they decided to turn him bankrupt. And they were going to give him the worst advice possible. I'm going to give one example. One of, the, one, of the, one of the advisors, one of the pieces of advice that they gave him was to go and sell coal to Newcastle. There's an idiom in England which, sell, which, which says selling coal in Newcastle. Newcastle is the mining capital of Britain. All the coal in Britain comes from Newcastle. So shipping coal to Newcastle is the most ridiculous thing. They convinced him it's a wonderful idea and since he was Rather stupid. <laughs> he said, well, if my good friend's advisor, that's what I should do. That's what I'm going to do. And he took nine boats, filled them with coal, and took them out to Newcastle. And when he got to Newcastle, it seems there was a miner's strike and no coal was being mined. Sure. He sold every bit Amazing. of coal for double of the price that he cost. <laughs> and he came back so rich with barrels of silver and gold coins in his boat. They sent him to sell mittens 
wool mittens in the Caribbean islands. The Caribbeans is a hot place. You don't need wool mittens. He did that. As he got there, he saw a group of sailors in several boats who were going from the Caribbeans to Siberia. They asked him, what is selling? He said, wool and mitten. They said, wonderful. We want the whole lot. They <laughs> bought the whole stock out. This happened with him so many times. This is the most un, the luckiest person in the world and the most unintelligent person in the world. Right. And you can see he died a very very rich and wealthy man. Right. Now let's give another story, okay? A story which is vice versa to show how a capable man, okay, cannot necessarily success succeed. Have you heard the story of Gerald Ratner? No. Okay, Gerald Ratner was an English businessman who at the time was considered to be one of the richest people in England. He had a business, a family business called Ratner Jewelry. He took the business over from his father. He developed it. He had hundreds of branches all over England and I think even a thousand branches and shops in the United States. It became, it was, it was something to, to want, a ratna piece of jewelry. It was something to yearn for. In 1993... Ratner was invited to speak at one of the biggest conventions, the financial conventions in Britain. And there were about 6,000 businessmen there, and he was the guest speaker, and they all wanted to know what is the secret of Ratner's jewelry. Now, Ratner's jewelry was not made out of gold or silver. It was made out of mundane things, but the question was, how do you sell it? It was the way that was displayed. It was everything that's got to do with merchandise and advertisement. And he did a wonderful job. So they all wanted to know the secret. And as he's sitting there, he's the guest speaker and he's all, you know, absolutely proud of himself. He reached the peak of what he can think of financial success. Someone gets up and asks him, Mr. Ratner, could you please explain to me how you can sell your jewelry, which is considered to be wonderful quality jewelry at such a low price? And then Ratner did the biggest mistake I think anyone ever did in modern history when it comes to do with finance. He said, you know why I can sell it for so cheap? Because my jewelry is really garbage. <laughs> it costs me less to manufacture a piece of earrings than it does to buy a sandwich at the corner of the street. The next day, all the press the, the topic was Ratner says my jewelry is garbage. Within less than a week, his company lost 500 million sure. pounds. They tried to change management. They eventually fired Gerald Ratner. They changed the company's name from Ratner's Jewelry or Ratner's Industries to Siginet. Sure. And till today in the business world, it has become an idiom called doing a Ratner. Sure. This guy was at the peak of the world. One sentence, one word, three, four seconds, and he ruined a billion-dollar business. Amazing. That just shows how being successful, managing to succeed like Timothy Dexter, or managing to take your business and ruin it and demolish it completely like Gerald Ratner, has got nothing to do with skill. It's got to do with heavenly intervention. So let's elaborate a bit more on heavenly intervention. Why do some people have it and why do some people not have it? That's a wonderful question. And everyone wants to know that. And the honest truth is that question doesn't only apply to Panossa, to a financial situation. It applies to many other things. Why are some people thin 
and some people overweight? Why are some people healthy and some people sick? Why do some people have kids and other people don't have kids? We can ask that on every single aspect of our lives. And interestingly, we ask it mostly when it comes to financial standings and not to other things. Most people won't say, one second, why am I thin and he's not? They'll say, well, you know, that's the way I was created. You know, I have the genes and he doesn't have the genes. I have a tendency for overweight and he's thin. Why don't they do the same thing when it comes to panos? Right. What's the difference in people's eyes? And in my opinion, the difference in people's eyes is people still think that panossa is dependent on them. They know that genetics has got nothing to do with them. It's got to do with my parents. It's right. got to do with their parents. And okay, what can I do? I am overweight. These are my genes. Yes. When I eat, I put on weight. But they tend to think panossa has got to do with them. And that's the first key thing a person needs to know. It has got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with what Hashem decrees that you're going to get. Okay, so let's elaborate on that. If Hashem decrees it, how do I then accept it? What, what steps could I follow to try and make sure one is, uh, as, a, as a servant of Hashem, of somebody that wants to really be grateful and show Hashem gratitude, but yet at the same time I'm going through difficulty? How do I balance between gratitude, emunah, and being happy with my lot? That's a wonderful question. And here we're actually coming to a very important, equessential point of faith. And that is that believing in Hashem means that you're believing that everything that you have is the best thing for you. You've been given the best opportunities, the best chance. You've been given the best conditions for what you're supposed to do in this world. It applies to many things. It also applies to Panossa. Hashem brought you into this world. He's allowing you to live every second. He's the one who's blowing the breath of life inside you. So how come you come to tend to think that when it comes to providing for you, Hashem suddenly is off the record? How does that happen? You're currently tuning to 101.9 High FM. My name is Liron Mazor, and I'm currently speaking to Rabbi Elgrod. We are discussing today the uh, spiritual aspects of uh, wealth creation, of money management. Really what's important for us to try and get a better handle of is faith, emunah, and trying to understand that uh, whatever when it comes to money is that everything's been decreed to us. Uh, we, we, Rabbi Elgrad and I are just trying to understand this in a bit more detail and trying to understand what are the steps, the practical steps, that we as individuals could follow to accept Hashem's will, to be happy with what we've got, and then to know how do we go about changing potentially even our muzzle? And that's one of the questions I'll be asking the rabbi now. So, Rolf, coming back to having this discussion, we, we've discussed it and we've understood it uh, uh, holistically. I mean, one of the questions is you're saying that Hashem decrees a certain amount to me. I mean, my first question will be as a financial planner or as an entrepreneur, well, how do I change the decree to get more? It's a wonderful question. And the question is, how can we really change the decree? First of all, we can do everything through the power of prayer. But we have to remember a very important aspect of faith. Hashem owes us nothing. This is one of the biggest problems where people tend to fall, especially when it comes to Panasa. And we learn this from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah says in Pashas Vaischanan, that when Moshe Rabbeinu was praying to Hashem, he uses the word Vaischanan. Says there Rashi, I'm asking for Matnas Chinam. I'm asking for a free gift. This is phenomenal. This is Moshe Rabbeinu. This is the closest person to Hashem that ever lived. He's the person who opened the Red Sea. He's the person who brought the ten plagues. He's the person who went up to Mount Sinai, spoke to Hashem face to face, battled with the angels, was respected by them. And after 40 years of carrying the load of Amisron on his shoulders, he's now coming to us for a free gift. I'm, excuse me, if you'd ask me, he deserves to get everything that he wants. 
Yet Moshe Rabbeinu knew the secret. Hashem owes us nothing. We can change everything by prayer, but we have to believe that Hashem doesn't owe us anything. We can ask, we can beseech, but we need to know that He doesn't owe us and that what He gives us is the best thing for us. Prayer can change, but I must say there are cases and our situations when a person is not going to manage to change his financial standing because it's not going to be the best thing for him because his, his way to correct his life is through difficulty and through hardship. I suppose that really brings me back as you're speaking about it. And I'm thinking in our lives, if we think or we're looking out and saying, I want to be a millionaire, I want, I want, I want, and we have these great expectations. And when these expectations don't get met, we often get depressed, thinking, geez, well, you know, I've told Hashem what I want and these great expectations. It's not logical. Why is my expectation not being met? And that's even as a kid where we set out our expectations to our parents and most of our parents have correctly or incorrectly met many of those expectations. When I'm listening to you speak, I'm also saying, okay, well, if I bring it back and just take a step back is prayer is important and yes, we can potentially change it. But if I don't have the emunah that I'm exactly where I need to be and I'm not happy with what I've got, I'll always be in a depressive state. And that takes us into maybe the next point, which is the importance of being happy with happy in life, because if you're not happy in life, you can't really create or get any any positivity in your life because you really your mind will always see the negative aspect of it. And maybe you can just give us a bit of ideas along those lines of how do we marry the two in terms of still making sure or the marry all three of the ideas or making sure we're doing our bit being uh, happy with our lot and at the same time davening for potentially even better things from Hashem. First of all, the person who does not have faith, you're right, he is going to be depressed with what he gets. You see that even with people who are extremely rich, but they're not as rich as they wanted to be. Someone who has got 50 million rand in his bank account, which is something I think all the listeners would want to have. And those of you who are in that situation, well, God bless you. But a person who has 50 million, million, million uh, rand in his bank account and he wants 100 million rand, is he going to be really happy if he doesn't have faith? He's not going to be happy. He's going to be upset. He's going to be disappointed. Why does his friend, why does his neighbor have more? He's going to try working harder. Is that going to help? Maybe now his business is going to plummet down. Maybe there's going to be now a recession. Maybe he's going to get into financial difficulties and he's going to have to use his currency and all his, slow, his cash flow to save the business and it's going to go and become worse and worse. He doesn't know. So first of all, you have to accept the fact that you are in the place that you are supposed to be. Now, you can change it. But I'm just saying, even though you can change it, it doesn't mean that it will necessarily change because Hashem owes you nothing. I'd like to give an example of a story of someone, a good friend of mine that I know. A good friend of mine had extreme financial difficulties. He went to one of the biggest Rabbonim in Eretz Yisrael. And the Rav asked him a question. He said, listen, he said, I'm not saying to you what is or not going to happen. But let me ask you, if you were given the choice of having financial difficulties or having severe health problems with one of your children, what would you choose? He said, Rabbi, it wouldn't be a question. I take the financial difficulties. He said, good, you got it. Many times we have to choose in this world between A or between B. This world is built in a way of equilibrium. It's quid pro quo. You get and you've got to give. Sometimes when you have financial difficulties, it comes to save you from other things. And when you have financial success, you pay the price in other ways. What do you mean you pay the price in other ways? What would that mean? 
I'm going to give an example of a good friend of mine who I know who used to learn with me. He is now a very, very rich person. His business has completely distanced him from his family and from his children. He's got nothing to do with them. His children don't really want anything to do with their father except for the money. He has no time. He's in his business 24-7. Even when he's got to take Shabbos, he's so upset during Shabbos that he's got to take a break because he can't work and he can't sustain his business. He's not a happy person. You can't speak to him. You can barely see him. He's constantly tired, constantly upset, constantly nervous, disappointed, depressed. His children have got nothing to do with him. His wife is alienated from him. Do you think he has a good life? He has money, and he doesn't even have time to enjoy it. Right. You're currently tuned into 11.9 High FM. My name is Liron Mazor. I'm currently speaking with Rabbi Elgrod. Today our topic is how do we really connect when it comes to uh, money and the importance of having faith and also how to be happy with your lot. We've tried to really understand the concept of Emunah with the rabbi in a bit more detail. And I think the take-home points for me, more than anything else, is that on the one hand, everything is decreed to us. If we don't, if we're not conscious of being grateful for what we've got and happy with what we've got, we'll always be looking and yearning for more and, and not really being able to change where we currently are because we always feel that we're going to be lacking. There are ways to change your muzzle, and that's really by davening and talking to Hashem and connecting with Hashem and asking Hashem to be able to earn more or to be able to give you the different things that you need. The two aspects that are important to understand is one is Hashem owes us nothing. If anything, it's, we owe, it's us that owe Hashem a lot more. And sometimes we lose sight of that because of comparing ourselves to others and seeing what other people have and thinking, well, why should they have it? I'm a better person. Well, I'm as good as that, as that person. And it's not really about that. It's what does your soul need? And when you're looking from a soul perspective, we need to understand that we, our lives are viewed very differently. It's not a matter of practical or comparison. It's a matter of acceptance and having the gratitude for that and being happy with our lot. Yes, you can dive in for what you've got, and Hashem can answer that. But even if He doesn't, it still brings us back to the essence of always be happy with what you've got. You're currently tuned to 101.9 High FM. My name is Liron Mazor. I'm speaking with Rabbi Algrod, the spiritual manager of Rabbi Arush's Kihila. Today we're speaking about faith and parnasah, how to be happy with your lot. Rob, one of the points we brought up earlier on was debt. And uh, in this generation, it seems to really be a big thing. The question is, one, one is, how does a person cope with debt? And the second question is, how does a person stay out of debt? That's a wonderful question because the concept of debt is both a practical thing that we can do to help stabilize our financial situation. And it, also, it is also a very big aspect in faith and in Amunah. Now, we need to know that today's generation has reached epidemic proportions with what's called debt. So many people that we know are in debt. They owe so much money to the bank. People in a conversation say, I don't know where I'm going to pay it back from. Now, before we start, we need to define what does it mean being in debt. Being in debt is someone that took out a loan that he is incapable of paying it back. If you are capable of paying for it, that's not considered to be being in debt. It's considered to be someone, someone who had to find an extra income in order to increase the financial income in the house. I'm going to give an example. Imagine now you need to pay for a dental plan for one of your children. You need 12,000 rand. You don't have 12,000 rand in cash. You go to the bank, you take a loan for 12,000 rand. You have to pay 1,000 rand every single month for 12 months. You have the money. You'll right. be able to cope. That's not considered to be being in debt. Right. When a person, though, now takes 50,000 rand from the bank that has got to pay in two years 
and is going to do that for vacation. And he doesn't know how he's going to get to pay in two years' time 50,000 rand. That is what's called being in debt. Okay. And today we have what's called the plastic plague. People today take that piece of plastic or the credit card yes. and they just run it through <laughs> yes. again and again without seeing what goes down. Yes. And suddenly at the end of the month, it's, whoa, you get the phone call from the bank manager <laughs> saying to you, uh, excuse me, sir, but do you realize that there's a big problem with your bank account? Right. How, are you pr- how are you planning to solve it? So the first thing is you need to know what does it mean to be in debt. If you are able and capable in returning the loan, that's not a debt. Okay. Second, when you decide to take a loan, it has to be for an important reason. One doesn't go into debt. One doesn't take a loan, even if you're capable of returning it, for nonsense. You want to go on a vacation? It's an important thing. You don't have to spend 50,000 rand. You can go to a cheaper place. You can do things that are not as expensive and explain to the family that this year you had other expenses and therefore the vacation is a bit different. How how does one stay out of debt? I mean, is it... is, do, you, do you actually have to have emuna? Does emuna form, form part of this picture? Where do we like? What, what's the next step that I could maybe take from a practical perspective? Absolutely, we're going to speak first of all about faith and then about practicality. Okay. From the point of view of faith, yes, a person who goes into date, uh, who goes into debt, is a person who his emuna, his faith, is lacking. When a person goes into debt, what is he actually saying? I'm talking again. We define debt as taking a loan that you're not capable of returning it. Right. What you're saying is. Hashem, you're not giving me what I need. You're not doing your job properly. Is it what I need or what I want? Even if it's what I want. Normally, people don't speak with the phrase want. Everything they need. A child doesn't want a bicycle. He needs a bicycle. A family doesn't want a vacation. They need a vacation. It's a wonderful semantic way to make ourselves feel wonderful with going into debt and taking more money. A person who goes into debt is a person who's saying to Hashem, you're not doing your job properly. You're not giving me what I need. Right. Not only that, Hashem is the one who gave you this income. This is how he wants you to live. If this is how he wants you to live and you are trying to override the manufacturer's instructions, that is not faith. Hashem does not want you to buy now an Audi A8. That is not (laughs) his plan. He didn't give you the money for that. So taking a loan to buy the Audi A8 is actually trying to override Hashem's plans. That's not faith. So then where does faith come into it? How do, how do I have the emuna? Where does faith come into it? First of all, I have to realize that if I don't have the money to buy an Audi A8, that means that Hashem doesn't want me to drive that car. He right. wants me to drive a Toyota Corolla. Right. That's what he wants me to drive. Right. I might not like it, but yes. I need to accept it. That's what he wants. If Hashem doesn't give me the money for an incredible vacation overseas, that means that that's not what he wants. Don't try and override the manufacturer's instructions. And the first practical step is you have to know what your income and what your expenses are. Don't stand there and just say, Hashem, I trust in you and you'll provide for everything. It does work. The question is, are you on that spiritual level? Right. And most of us are not. You need to know what you make and what you spend money on. Be right. practical. Hashem wants you to be a practical thinking person. So, I mean, that's quite an interesting a- aspect because some people think, oh, I don't have to be that practical, practical because as long as I've got faith, everything's going to be okay. What you're saying to me is that you need to have action with responsibility. 
Absolutely. I'm, this is called, okay, the crying trial. Have right. you heard once of it? Never. What is a crying trial? Imagine now if you need a lot of money, if you're in debt, the bank manager calls, what is your reaction? Do you say, Hashem, thank you. I know that you love me. I know everything's going to be fine. I'm going to go to the field and pray, and I'm certain you're going to give me the money I need. Or do you start going, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? Where are we going to get the money from? Right. How are we going to cope? <laughs> you start crying, getting upset. Unfortunately, most of us are not on the faith level to right. cope with such crisis. And if you're not on that faith level, don't try and jump overhead. Yes, don't challenge it. Don't challenge it whatsoever. You're currently tuning into 101.9 High FM. My name is Liron Mazor. I'm speaking with Rabbi Algrod. Today we're speaking about faith and Parnassah, how to be happy with your lot. In this uh, section, we've just actually tried to get a better understanding of how to cope with debt, how to stay out of debt, and more importantly, coming back to that very first idea that we spoke about, about how to be happy with your lot, is don't try and test it. Don't turn around and say to yourself and, and put yourself into the belief to say, oh, we need to have a holiday. Because nobody needs to have a holiday, and there are de- definitely cheaper ways to have holidays. And it's important to always keep in mind whatever we have comes from Hashem. If we have, if we have uh, call it uh, a limited amount, that's because Hashem wants us to have that limited amount. There's really no need for us at any particular point to be able to challenge that to, uh, from any aspect. You're currently tuned into 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Liron Mazor. I'm speaking with Rabbi Elgrad. We're into the final part of the show. Rabbi, is there maybe a message that you could leave us with that we could, or maybe even a story, something we could take home with us that we could apply with us in the coming days and weeks to really implement everything we've discussed on the show today? Yes. We know that in Parshas Bereshis, Hashem goes to Adam and he says to him, Ayeka, where are you? Where are you? Say the interpreters, it means know where you're standing spiritually, faithfully. I'd like to tell a story for people to realize you should know what level of faith you are, especially when it comes to money. Rabbi Lazar Brody, who happens to be a very good and close friend of mine, he once asked me a halachic question. He wanted me to ask also Rabbi Arush to hear what he says. Two people, two students of his from America, one owed the other one $10,000. The person did not pay his loan. The person who the money was owed to, we'll call him, let's say for the sake, we'll call him Daniel. Daniel called Rabbi Brody and said to him, tell me, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just forego the debt because this is what Hashem wants for me and this is a trial of faith? Or do I have to sue him in Basin, in court and get my money back? And Rabbi Brody said, it's a good question. He asked me to ask Rabbi Arush. I went to Rabbi Arush and I asked him. Rabbi Arush said, tell him in my name that he has to sue him and based him in court. I said to the rabbi, why? He said, the mere fact that he's asking the question, should he forego the money or should he sue it? That means that on his level of emuna, of level of faith, he's not at that place yet where he can forego $10,000. He needs to go to Bastin. He sure. needs to go to court. He needs to win. And then he can decide if he's on the level of foregoing the money. It's the same thing with panosa and with debt. Don't think of yourself as a person of emuna who can take all the money and then pray to Hashem to return it to you. Know where you're standing. Are you really there? Do you conduct yourself that way in other aspects of life? Because if you don't, don't even try. Currently tuning into 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Liron Mazor. We've been speaking with Rabbi Algrod, definitely my best speaker in the world. Rob, I could have you here for weeks and years probably, but it's uh, great as always. Thank you for all your insights, for your information. The take-home message is let us all just have the faith 
that uh, firstly everything is the way it's meant to be. Let us always be grateful for everything that we've got and let us stay focused to make sure that we continue to connect with Hashem through prayer and also express our needs and our desires, but never lose sight of the fact that it's more the essence of being happy with what we've got that will carry us through from now until many generations to come. Rabbi, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And Amen, may you all be blessed with everything that you want and everything that you need. Amen. Thank you.